I always love those restaurants that have like a retail corner, right? Where they sell merch. They got hats and shirts and keychains and beer mugs and shot glasses. I really do. I love it. It shows that they know who they are, they know who they're for, and they know they're building a tribe and that there's a tribe there who wants to show that they belong, that they love that place, that, they're, that they love it so much they're willing to, uh, to, to, to wear the logo on their chest and go out into the world. That's what you want. So I want to know, do you sell t-shirts at your restaurant? Let's talk about it on today's episode. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week, we toggle back and forth between a monologue-style format and an interview. But the goal is always the same, to take complicated concepts, both on the marketing and operations side, and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this week's episode is sponsored by Virtual Restaurant Group, VRG. They offer innovative, turnkey, delivery-only brands that you're able to easily operate out of your existing restaurant with very little disruption to your current operation, right? So we're talking ghost kitchens, a restaurant that would only be visible on third-party delivery sites as a way of driving additional revenue using the infrastructure you've already got. By adding in these virtual brands into your business model, you're able to diversify your revenue streams and generate more revenue, right? You've already got the kitchen, the staff, the space, so why not maximize that space by adding additional brands to help increase your bottom line? Best of all, VRG handles everything on the back end. They provide Cubo technology totally free. The very architecture of this software allows you to turn on as many brands as you want, list those brands on as many partner sites as you want, and field all of the orders through one singular tablet and printer. You're not locked into long contracts. It is 100% free to start. VRG's flagship brand, Midnight Munchies, was one of LA's very first ghost kitchen concepts and generated up to $30,000 a month just in online ordering revenue. Onboarding is super easy with recipe guides and step-by-step training for you and for your staff. Visit virtualrestaurantgroup.com slash chip. Again, virtualrestaurantgroup.com slash C-H-I-P. Use the promo code CHIP2021 to get started. As always, that link is in the show notes. Now, I was in South Carolina earlier this month working with a client, and while I was there, I had a day off, and I golfed the ocean course at Kiowa Island. Now, it is one of the most famous courses in the country. It is gratuitously expensive, but it is a bucket list experience, right? That is how I justified the cost of playing that course. It was sort of a a last-minute impromptu decision. It was a lot of money. I didn't want to do it, but I just thought, I'm so close. When else? When's the next time I'm going to be this close, right? And short of, you know, booking an entire golf trip and spending, you know, four or five days down there and spending all that more money, I just thought I can just drive there. I can play the course. I'll pay the daily greens fees and, and that'll be it, right? So I justified it in my mind because it's a bucket list course. I'm going to play it at some point. Why not now? That's also 
how I talked myself into buying a shirt in the pro shop afterwards and a hat. I wanted to mark the experience. I wanted to remember it. And, and honestly, right, if I'm honest, I also wanted to show off a little, right? And I think that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we all do that in one way or another, right? People do that all the time, not just me. They go somewhere nice, right? They go to Disney World, they buy souvenirs. They go to the Yankees game, they go to a, to a new city, to a vacation town, they buy souvenirs, they buy a hat, they buy a shirt, they you know, buy a keychain, right? They, you go to see Hamilton, you're, you're lucky enough to get tickets, you buy a shirt or a hat or a program. We do this all the time. I did it because I wanted to remember it, I wanted to mark the experience, and I wanted to show off that I had been there, that I had golfed this world-famous course. So why do we do that? Why do people do that? People do that for brands that they love, for experiences they love. I mean, really think about it. Think of all the people wearing sports jerseys out there or a baseball hat or, uh, or a college sticker on the rear window of their car. You wear a shirt commemorating a marathon you ran uh, or a charity walk you did or your favorite breed of dog. So I want to know, do you sell t-shirts at your restaurant? Do you sell hats and keychains and shot glasses and beer mugs and all of that? Do you sell cookbooks? Do you sell merch? Or more to the point, right? And this is and this is getting to the heart of what I want to talk about here today. If you did sell t-shirts, would anyone buy them? People support companies they believe in, companies they identify with. Right? Human beings are tribal. If you've never read it, Seth Godin wrote an incredible book on this topic. It's called Tribes, and it's still just as um, just as valid, just as um, just as prescient as it was all those years ago when he wrote it. Again, people support companies they believe in, companies they identify with, and that's because we are tribal, right? Icons, logos, places, things—they're ways that we show affiliation. So when I wear a Yankees hat, that says something to a certain group of people. When I see somebody wearing a Red Sox hat, that says something else to a certain group of people. It says something to me. When I wear my Ocean Course hat, right, from Kiowa Island, that says something. That says something about status. That says something that I could afford to play there or, or that I value golf enough or, or, or these bucket list courses that I value it enough to spend my money there, right? It, 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 uh, it says to people that I, I'm a golfer. That I, that I care enough about golf to do that sort of thing, right? It's about affiliation, right? When I wear that Kiowa hat, in some small way, I guess I'm, I'm probably hoping that someone throughout the day will recognize the logo and strike up a conversation. It's the same thing when I wear my Yankees hat, right? I hope somebody will talk to me about the game the night before or, or when I see a, you know, a, a somebody in a Red Sox hat, we can have a little bit of you know, friendly competition. At Kiowa, right, the, the course uh, is beautiful, but they've strengthened their brand by putting their logo on shirts, on hats, on jackets, bags, vests, and a bunch of other stuff they are only too happy to sell you when you finish your very expensive round. They, fell you, they sell you very expensive gear when you uh, finish your very expensive round. And it just about guarantees that people will continue to think about their round will continue to think about Kiwa Island, will continue to think about the course, and they will continue to talk about the brand, the experience, the course. That's really key. So when I say that I, when I walk into a restaurant and I see that they got like a retail corner 
where they sell hats and posters and and uh, and, and and shot glasses and vests and jackets and all of that. And I tell you, I love that. I really do. I love that. I love that because not only are they uh, diversifying their revenue streams, they're finding a way to make more money than just on the, the food that people come in and eat. But they're also committed, at least I hope, or the, the impression I always get, is that they're committed to creating a strong brand, a strong brand that people affiliate with, right? That they, um, that they care about. That's a big deal. So again, it's one thing if you sell stuff. It's another thing, though, if you're the kind of place that should sell stuff because people want to be a part of it, right? And so that, that, that begs the question, beyond just the merch, and we'll get to the, the merch in just a second, the retail stuff, right, that, that other revenue stream. How do you create the kind of place that people want to, want to talk about, that people want to brag about having been to? Right, again, Kiwa Island is a, is a really sought-after destination. The Ocean Course is, again, a bucket list place. Um, it, it's something that I wanted to be a part of, and now it's something that I am a part of. I played it. I'm, I'm one of the, you know, the, the rare people, the few people um, that have the money to play it, that spend their money in that way, and like to talk about it, right? That's a big deal. Same thing with Hamilton, right? When somebody wears a Hamilton hat or a Hamilton shirt, or whatever, right? They're saying, I was lucky enough to get it. I value that experience enough to spend my money in that way. I'd love to talk to you about it. I care about that. I care about it enough to spend my money there. And I care about it enough to show that I'm part of the club, that I'm part of this tribe. And again, with colleges, with charities, with co- all of it, right? You put your money where your, where your mouth is. You wear a Yankees hat. That says something. You know, and there are other brands that do this really well, right? Apple, famously, every time you buy an Apple product, they send you an Apple sticker, just in case you feel like putting it somewhere to prove that you're part of this tribe. That's a big, big deal. I always get, um, I would do a lot of printing with, uh, with Sticker Mule. Sticker Mule does, um, you know, shirts and hats and stickers and postcards and all of that. They're a, they're a really great printing company. But every time... I uh, place an order. They send me mule sauce. So they sell hot, they, they give away hot sauce. I think if your order is like 50 bucks or more and pretty much all my orders are 50 bucks or more. So they send me mule sauce, which is basically like a, like a hot sauce, like a Tabasco sauce, but it's just made by sticker mule. And so it's a conversation when it when we break it out of the party. People are like, what's mule sauce? I'm like, oh, great. So this place where I order, um, you know, all my postcards and stickers and t-shirts and stuff, it's a company called Sticker Mule and they just send me hot sauce. It's a conversation starter. They also send me a sticker. Hey, in case you care enough about us to put us somewhere, here you go. So I do that, right? I've got I got merchandise for uh, for restaurant strategy. I don't really sell it. I kind of give it away more than I more than I sell it. But I want people to feel like uh, they they they've got affiliation with this brand, with this community that we're putting together. I wear the stuff. I'm really passionate, obviously, about the company and about the podcast. I started it. I do it. It's my livelihood. So I wear the hat. I wear the shirt, right? I got I got the keychain. I care about it. And then every once in a while, I sort of give stuff away, right? I give stuff away to some of the guests that I have on the show. So I got totes and shirts and mugs. And, you know, it's, it's fun to give those away every once in a while. Do I sell them? No. Should I sell them? Probably. Because I hope out there that the listeners are passionate enough about this community to be a part of it. But we're getting there. We're getting ahead of ourselves as well. I want to talk about what all this means for you in just a second. I'll tell you after another message from one of our sponsors. Now, Pop Menu has reimagined the restaurant. 
They're breaking the mold of the menu, taking the kitchen doors off the hinges, and serving up their most comprehensive technology solution yet. It's called Pop Menu Max. It comes with all the previous ingredients that we've talked about here on this podcast, right? You get the website designed with SEO in mind, marketing tools to keep you top of mind with guests, and of course, their patented interactive menu technology. But this new recipe brings automated phone answering to the table, third-party online order aggregation, waitlisting, all of that, right? PopMenu's phone answering technology, for example, has your ringing phones covered, uses artificial intelligence, AI, so with that, the simple questions that keep your phone tied up can now be handled without pulling a staff member from your in-person hospitality. No more missed reservations, uh, asking for your hours or missed revenue, and that's just the beginning. You've got a passion for food, Pop Menu has a passion for technology, and together it is a recipe for restaurant success. Now even more digital ingredients are in their technology pantry and Pop Menu is helping restaurants attract, engage, remarket, and transact with their guests on a whole new level. Trust me, if you're a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim this offer. Again, that's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. As always, that is in the show notes. Now, I love those places that got little merch corners, right? Their whole retail setup. They sell cookbooks and hats and shot glasses and shirts. I love it. I really mean it. I love it. I love them restaurants, right? A casual kind of restaurant, obviously. When they sell, uh, when they when they've got like their uh, servers wearing t-shirts, and uh, and they look good, right? Or or like like polos, right? Like a country club does this, right? Country clubs do it so great. Where they got everybody wearing like a like a branded um like a branded polo shirt. Or they put them all in hats or like um, uh, or like an apron that's embroidered, right, in a really elegant way. Or they put little pins on there, right? Like, um, you know, little pins saying like, you know, I, I work here. It's, it's branded. So otherwise it's all pretty neutral except for the, the brand. I love that. I love that because they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They're saying, hey, we got Kool-Aid. Everybody here is drinking the Kool-Aid. And then they sell the Kool-Aid. Hey, hey, do you want to be a part of it? So, again, I wanted to know whether you sell shirts promoting your restaurant, right? Shirts, hats, shot glasses. Not that it's going to be a big revenue driver, though it might. For certain restaurants, it really might. But really what I want to know is whether you're building a strong enough brand that people would want to wear your logo on their chest, right? So this is about affiliation. Like we said just a few minutes ago, it's about creating a tribe of raving super fans, right? And no, it's not about just having like a super fancy place. There are plenty of casual places that do this really, really well. But I got to ask. So when we talk about do you sell merch? And then I ask you, are you the kind of place where people would buy your merch? It begs the question, do you have people who are super fans? And, and to that end, what constitutes a super fan? For me, a super fan is somebody who would go out of their way to buy whatever it is you present it next, right? So if you put out a new menu four times a year, they wanna be a part of that menu every single time. If you put out a limited edition chicken sandwich, they want to come in and be a part of that chicken sandwich, right? You got a new soup every, uh, every week, they're gonna come back for that soup, whatever that is. A super fan is somebody who loves what you do no matter what it is that you do because they trust you, they believe in you, and they love being a part of that community. 
Now, years ago, early on in the show, I talked about uh, an essay that uh, was written by Kevin Kelly. It's very famous. It's called A Thousand True Fans. And the idea goes like this. I just want to go over. I want to give uh, you know, a quick recap here because I think, interestingly enough, it sort, of, um, you know, it sort of sinks right in with what we're talking about here in a, in a, in a strange way. So I'm going to go a little bit of a roundabout way. So again, Kevin Kelly is a guy, he wrote um, uh, The Inevitable, he wrote What Technology Wants, uh, he is a thought leader, he writes a lot about uh, technology, a lot about uh, sort of the changing landscape of work, right, the gig economy and the side hustles and all of that, and just how the world has been um, changing and, and, and reshaped um, by technology and, and, and what it's allowing people to do. Kevin Kelly is one of the smartest guys in the planet, and he wrote a very famous article a blog post called 1,000 True Fans. And the idea went something like this. He said, if you could cultivate 1,000 true fans, super fans, if you could cultivate 1,000 of them who would pay you $100 a year, right? $100 for whatever you did. And he uses the example of a lot of musicians. He said, if you released an album for 20 bucks, they'd buy the, they'd buy the, um, the album for 20 bucks, and then, you, um, and then you toured, and they wanted to come see you live for 80 bucks. There you go. That's 100 bucks. So if you released a new album every year and went and toured, and they, you got them to come out and see you, they would give you $100 a year. And the idea being that if you just had 1,000 of them, you'd make $100,000 a year. Now, yes, I know you gotta you gotta pay out the record company, you gotta pay out you know the the venue, the, all of that. But again, just boil it down to its simplest. If you got a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars a year to pay for what you what you are providing, you'd make a hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's not a bad living for a lot of artists, for a lot of people in this world. Again, you're not gonna get rich that way. You're not gonna you know you're not gonna be buying three beach houses, but you can have a good life and make a good living. If you got a hundred people, if you got a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars every single year, that could allow you to keep doing your work. And it's an interesting thought experiment when you extrapolate out and, then, and apply that to to what we do, right? A lot of times uh, in restaurants, we're sort of guilty of saying, "I just need as many people as possible. I need butts and seats. I need butts and seats." Right? You just want to get as many people as possible. And what we do a bad job of doing is just focusing on a small group, a thousand people. And get them to come back over and over and over again to turn a thousand people into super fans. Really, what we want is you know ten thousand guests a, a year, right? And I've worked at plenty of restaurants that whether they said this or not, that's really what they believed, and it was obvious with how they how they went about their business, right? But quantity is not the secret to success. Here's the secret to success: it's quality. Less people paying you more. So again, Kevin Kelly's essay. 1,000 True Fans really outlines this in a specific way. I had Peter Fader on the show uh, a long time ago, maybe about a year, year and a half ago, and we talked all about his book, Customer Centricity, and he talks about um, customer lifetime value, CLV. The idea being that the majority, right, this 80-20 rule, that 80% of your revenue is really going to come from about 20% of your guests. And that sounds bizarre because we have so many guests coming into our restaurant on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And yet when you run the numbers, and this guy is a true quant, right? He's, you know, MIT, you know, MIT trained. He teaches at Wharton. And he wrote this book again, and it talks all about this. And he's got the data to back it up. And he says, actually, actually, the majority of your revenue is coming from the top, say, 5 6 7% of your guests. But really, 80% is coming from 20% of your guests. 
because they are super fans. They are coming back over and over and over again. And that is true, not just with restaurants, but all different kinds of brands, right? He talks about you know Nike and Apple and Starbucks, and it's true when you look at all these big companies, what they've done really well is they've created brands. Now, a brand is more than a logo. A brand is typically defined as all of the touch points that you have with a customer, right? All of the touch points that a company has with the customer, right? The experience of uh, engaging with the company on their website, of, uh, on their app, on their social media pages, in person, of engaging with the products, right? Especially when you think about Apple, right? The Apple um, showroom, right? the Apple store experience is, um, is unique. Uh, the Apple website is unique. The App Store is unique. The products operate in a unique fashion. They're sleek, stylish, not like anything else in the world. There's a, there's a brand, right? Brand is on display at every step of the way. You can think of other brands that are like this, right? Colleges. Colleges create a brand, right? Michigan has a brand. Harvard has a brand. Stanford has a brand. Duke has a brand, right? The, uh, the, the clothes you wear, Nike, or luxury brands. Luxury brands do this really well. Yeah, I know I've talked about this before, but Gucci, Versace, Burberry, Hermes, they all have very different identities. The brand is very clearly defined. Yes, they're all high-end clothes that are very, very expensive, but the brand is sort of delineated in different ways. The same thing is true with the ocean course at Kiwa Island, right? How I started off this episode. So my question is, are you creating a defined enough experience that is so unique, that is so of itself, that you can't get it anywhere else, right? There's only one ocean course. There's only one Kiowa Island. There's only one Pebble Beach, right? And yeah, when I finally do get to play Pebble Beach, again, gratuitously expensive, but you better believe it. I'm going to buy a hat. I'm going to buy a shirt for sure. Some of the best restaurants in the world that, uh, that my wife and I love, uh, if they've got a cookbook, we, we try to go out of our way to, to get a copy of that cookbook, and it sits on our bookshelf, and it's like a trophy. It's a memento. Right? It's a souvenir. So it reminds us of our experience, and it's a conversation piece when we have people over. They see the cookbook, and, or not, but if they do, it sparks a conversation. Sometimes we make food. Sometimes we make dishes from those cookbooks. And that ends up sparking conversation, right? Because our guests say, oh, this is really good. I, I've got to get the recipe. And we say, oh, it's from this cookbook. And that spirals out of conversation. So again, my, my question for you is, are you creating an experience that's delineated, that, that's clearly defined, that people would want to be fans of that experience, that people would want to wear that on their sleeve, would want to put it on their chest, would want the logo on top of their forehead. That's what you got to think about. And then the second piece is if you are creating an experience that is worthy of super fans, then you've got to give those super fans a chance to talk about it. One of the things we've talked about is the triangle principle. You can go back and find that on previous episodes. But my idea for the way you market any product, but specifically a restaurant, is the, in three pieces. Attraction, retention, and evangelism. And the secret is we work those in reverse order, that we start with evangelism. We create an experience that people want, that people rave about, that people can't help but go spread the word about, right? They go spread the good word of what we're doing. In order to get anybody talking about something, it's got to be worthy of talking about. So create an experience that's worth talking about. We're an experience that people want to be a part of, that wanna, people want to prove to other people that they were a part of. Again, 
Hamilton is a good example. All these famous golf courses all around the world, colleges, all, there are tons of examples out there. The bottom line is we can't just be okay anymore. We can't just have a good restaurant anymore. It needs to be great. It needs super fans, and you got to give people an opportunity to become a super fan and to show their super fandom. And if you do that, then you give people a chance to talk about it over and over and over again. Again, because I wear my Kiowa hat, and I strike up a conversation with people all the time just organically because people see my hat, and they want to ask me, oh, when, did you, uh, when were you in South Carolina? And invariably, too, it's just I talk about, uh, again, the course, my trip, the client that I was working with down there. It's just, it's natural because it becomes not just about golf, not just about Kiwa, but it becomes about South Carolina. It becomes about what I do. Why was I in South Carolina? This is how we spark conversations, and we have to go out of our way to, to you know, put our thumb on the scales, tip it in our direction to get people to talk about us. We can't just hope that they had a good enough time. Can't just hope that they're going to talk about us. And this is something that the best colleges know. This is what sports teams know. This is what the the famous golf courses all around the world know. And now this is what you know. You know this. So figure it out. You, you don't have to sell hats or shirts or cookbooks or 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 glasses or but whatever. But you've got to give people some way to show their affiliation. Hopefully you're creating a, a defined enough experience, something that people really want to become super fans of, and they want to show their super fandom. You have to give them an outlet for that. And in the end, it's just going to come back and it's going to reward you. So that's it for today. Listen, if it's been a while, if you haven't uh, if you haven't uh, reviewed us, please go leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, all those five-star ratings really do help us boost in the rankings. I've gotten a handful of them over the last uh, couple of weeks. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has uh, listened and gone to do that. It's so easy. Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, that's the one that really seems to make a big difference. It gets us listed on, you know, top 10 lists and, and, uh, and helps grow our community. So again, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, that helps. Uh, also on Spotify, now they take ratings you can go give anywhere between one and five stars you give whatever you want i'd appreciate five stars um hopefully you're getting a lot out of this show and you want to kind of show your um show your support in this way i really appreciate it um guys stay creative stay safe stay happy all of that stuff keep working hard um i see you i really appreciate you being here i will uh, I'll, I'll be with you next week take care